Welcome to the Trinity Grace Church Williamsburg Weekly Update. This is an informal, story-based podcast designed to capture the life of the scattered, yet more unified than ever, church amidst crisis. This is a moment for the church to be the body of Christ in a world of great need. This podcast is designed to empower and equip you to be an active participant in that mission. Enjoy, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of the Weekly Update Podcast. I have to be honest, when we started this, I didn't think we'd still be doing it now, but it, it appears that there's no end in sight to uh, the current crisis that we're in, and we want to keep on telling stories from the church. Uh, this one I am particularly excited about. I've got two good friends with me, Carlos Feitoza, who many of you will know, that's our pastor of justice and mercy, but also my friend Jason Tabor, who... Uh, is the pastor at St. John the Evangelist Lutheran Church. Is that that correct? Am I saying all that right? You got it. It's the only church name as long as our church name. So I just wanted to be sure. Um, And um, Jason's become a good friend over the last year or more. And we have an amazing story to share with you about a food pantry that has come to be in partnership between our two churches. But first... I want you to know who Jason is. So Jason, first of all, it's really great to have you with us, man. Thank you for your time. Yeah, happy to be here with you. And secondly, man, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Because I know that you are a guy from at least what I perceive to be rural Indiana, and you've ended up pastoring uh, a parish, a Lutheran parish in Brooklyn. So how does that happen? How did you end up here? And when did you end up here? So all of Indiana is relatively rural, I guess, but I am actually from a city there, or what passes for a city, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Have been here in New York for about five years. July will be five years. And that really came about six years ago when I was doing an internship. Uh, My wife and I were assigned to a congregation out in Long Island during my third year of seminary. Um, Being close enough to the city, we were in the city. When we had free time, we would come into the city and and really got got to know and and felt connected to it. And, and, you know, many of your listeners probably agree with this. There's, there's an electricity there. There's a, there's a an energy here uh, that just was really attractive to us. So when it was time to be placed into a, a, a long-term ministry setting, this is where we knew we wanted to be. And now here we are. And tell us about St. John's. Tell us what the congregation is like. What does ministry look like there? So St. John is a 175-year-old congregation. I've been here in Williamsburg longer than the Brooklyn Bridge, which is pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Historically, a German Lutheran congregation, but more recently, uh, African-American. And then as the neighborhood has changed, has picked up a little bit of a Hispanic influence as well. So uh, really exciting uh, kind of multi-ethnic congregation, lower income congregation, as uh, we're uh, very closely connected to the Williamsburg houses, which is one of the... uh, public housing developments here in the community. And so tend to be a lower income congregation and all the struggles that go along with that, but uh, really vibrant and really exciting in other ways. Yeah. And I'm really interested to ask you this question. How did this partnership between our churches come about? 
That's a great question, actually. I know, I know the way I might answer that. <laughs> yeah, you and I might have different. Yeah, you might have different perspective on that. Yeah. From my perspective, I think the way it came about was you showed up one day to work at the uh, North Brooklyn Angel food truck with us, and uh huh, came to know you were the pastor of Trinity Grace, and then I think did I run into you at a co-working space like a week later? Oh yeah, classic yeah. co. Uh huh. And. You know, from there, I don't, I don't quite know how it, how it came about. That's, that's the beginning as far as I remember it. Yeah, I think, um, I think both of us were surprised to find that we thought the other was relatively normal and bearable to be around. Um, and our churches uh, shared, shared a heart for trying to humbly, honestly serve the community around us. We happen to be just two blocks apart, and I think... It's just a shame when communities are founded in the name of Jesus, as near to one another as ours, and um, are actually not able to find ways to partner together to see his kingdom come, which is, of course, bigger than any one congregation. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, it. what started as conversations, because I started serving at the, the food truck at your guys' church on Wednesdays, turned into, like, having beers every once in a while, just being buddies, which led to some dreaming about how we might actually partner together. And when all that uh, kicked off, um, I remember you were sharing about kind of your dreams and plans for your congregation. And we're actually going back to school uh, to get some expertise. Yeah, to get some expertise to best serve the neighborhood um, based on the community that God's placed you in. So can you just share a little bit about that, about maybe as you got to year four or five and you thought about what does the kingdom of God look like here, just a bit about your personal journey there. Yeah, so the the thing that, that hits me, still hits me very hard, is the number of people who, and you kind of touched on this, we can do a lot of, a lot of good things to help a lot of people in, in a lot of sort of one-time situations. People who need to pay a bill, we can get that paid. People who need food, we can get them food to eat. What, what I kept seeing is the number of people who just were struggling for so long and, and so, sort of systemic struggle and that not being able to do, it, do enough about that uh, really was what kind of hurt me. Uh, one of the things that, that's been, been true of, of my life is that the opportunities that I have, the reason that, I, that I'm able to do what I love and live a comfortable life doing that is because of the educational and the work opportunities that have come to me. So uh, my vision for this place is that we would be the catalyst for um, creating some of those uh, same educational, same uh, employment opportunities that have been available to me, that they'd be available to people who happen to grow up here in this community. So we're in the process right now of uh, developing a, a job readiness program uh, that would have kicked off this fall and probably will be pushed back a little bit because of the, the current situation, but still uh, still going strong on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when hearing you going into that MBA program and just admiring it so much that having assessed the needs in the place where God has put you, you know, essentially becoming who you needed to become to best serve those people. I think that's amazing, man. And something I deeply admire. Um, so, you know, one thing that, that I have a way of doing is basically like talking to people for a little while and then slowly removing myself from the situation. 
And that is exactly what I did here. So when it really got time to to partner together and do something, I remember you sending me this proposal and just saying, hey, historically in this church, we used to have a food pantry. And then for a number of different reasons, it went away. But the big thing I hear from the community all the time is just, we need groceries. You know, it's amazing. There's a food truck here and there's a hot meal I can grab once a week, but I have an empty cupboard at home. We need some some groceries. Is there a way you can help with that? So you sent through a business proposal of how we could work together as churches. And I got so excited and passed it off to Carlos and just said like, hey, man, this is in your jurisdiction. Uh, What do you think? Um, And I would love just to hear from both of you on what that food pantry looks like now. And then I know that there's more envisioned than can be accomplished in three weeks. So I want to get to that in a second. But, um, you know, Carlos, I remember chatting with you on that first Saturday afternoon after the food was all given away in a matter of like 30 minutes. And you were just like on top of the world alive. Um, I think just being able to hand someone a bag of the kingdom of God, you know, in some way in the midst of need. Because at the moment the crisis hit, I can remember the conversation kind of became, oh, I guess we'll have to push our plans down the field a little. And then Jason said, no, 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 we need this now more than ever. This speeds our plans up um, and really called us to it. So maybe we should start with you, Jason, and you just share about like, the the burden that you felt, the needs you were hearing about, you know, in early mid-March, and then what it actually looks like right now on a Saturday. Like, who are we serving? How many people are we serving? What are we giving them? You know, just kind of hit me with the basics. Yeah, so you actually said that really well. Uh, this is something that's been in my head, on my heart for a long time, and, and that thing that sort of all of us here always knew we should get back to doing at some point. And then when this uh, COVID situation hit and the, the, you know, the jobs went away, the urgency just, you know, skyrocketed from there, just felt like something we really needed to be doing right now. Uh, if, we're, if we're not going to find a, a needier situation in terms mm-hmm. of food needs than we have right now. So if we're going to do it, now's the time to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really interesting to see it develop and, and sort of, Uh, grow on its own uh, outside of anything really I think that either Carlos or I tried intentionally to do. Um, We've we've grown from five volunteers serving 70 people to last week I think we had 10 to 12 volunteers and we did about 130. Uh, So uh, you know the 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 number of people that have that have come to help, the number of people that have come to receive, the number of community groups that have that have um, come alongside of us to provide those items has been just really incredible to see that take shape in uh, really just three weeks or a month or so. Um, so the way it works is we, we have volunteers who, who come around uh, 11 o'clock, 11.15 on Saturday morning. Uh, that's because we have a couple of final deliveries that, that show up usually around 11.30 or so on Saturday. That's the produce. And if everything goes according to plan, uh, each, <laughs> family gets, <laughs> each family gets a bag of canned goods and a bag of fresh produce. Uh, looks a little different every week, kind of what they get, uh, just because we, again, we have those coming through other community organizations. So what they have to share with us is what we have to give away. So sometimes it's quite a bit of produce and it's overflowing the bags and some, some weeks it's not quite as much, but uh, it's been really fun to see that um, really, you know, 
bountifully come in and be able to share that with so many neighbors. But one of the interesting things that we're seeing through this uh, situation especially is uh, when we would do the food pantry in the past, we would serve about the same number, about 120 each week, but they were primarily seniors um, and, and very few families. What we noticed right away um, the first week is that out of the 70, 70 or so families we served the first week, 43 of them had children in the home. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially the dynamic of who needs these, this help has shifted almost overnight. Um, now, really want to shout out our two community partners here as well, uh, North Brooklyn yeah. Angels and, and Los Soros. Uh, both of them uh, did an amazing job when we let them know about that. Both did an amazing job of, of shifting what, where they could to make sure they were helping us meet the need that we saw there in terms of uh, providing baby formula and, and foods that are kid-friendly, uh, those sorts of things. Amazing. And you said uh, last Saturday was 130 families? About 130, yeah. And what percentage of those families live in Williamsburg? It's a little hard to tell. Some of them uh, show up with, with vans and carloads, and, and some live in the neighborhood but drive anyway. Um, yeah. Just from what I can tell, I would say at least 80% of them live in the, the Williamsburg community. And what is your perception of the, the need that we're addressing here? Growing every week, yeah. Uh, we, we grew from 70, 70 to 110 and then 110 to 130. So uh, not growing quite at the same level. Uh, but clearly, the word is getting out and people need this. Uh, the other thing that we see is that the, the line at the start is longer each week than it was the week before. So uh, there seems to be a growing level of interest, growing level of need. Hmm. Awesome. And Carlos, tell me, man, uh, if we're still, you know, the, the hope is we're still doing this six months from now. What are your wildest dreams for what this looks like in six months? Honestly, I think there's, there's hopefully a, a huge possibility of kind of shifting from being simply a sort of redistribution of goods uh, into a connecting point uh, with fellow neighbors and that we would still remember to combine the dreams of sharing a meal together, sitting down at a table face to face. Um, and within that, get to know one another, honestly, get to understand what are the other issues and things that we're also touching upon just by starting handling a bag of food. Uh, you know, economic inequality, just understanding the different dynamics in the neighborhood and all that. So I think starting off as just learning, learning more from our neighbors and loving them well and growing to want to continue to do it because it's not that we'll do this every Saturday and the need will, oh yeah, sure, of course, it'll disappear in a month or two. Unfortunately, because of the crisis and even before the crisis, it was already there. Hunger is still a huge need. And that again, as I said, touches upon many other different aspects. But to continue to do this, to continue to grow into loving and serving one another in the best way we can. And same question to you, Jason. Give me your your six month, the favor of God's poured out on this thing vision of what could it look like? Yeah, I would echo a lot of what Carlos said there. The the relationship component is so important to me. The the ability to not only be able to help someone in their kind of daily bread needs, but also begin to make those connections that will lead toward meeting spiritual needs as well. 
how can we introduce them to Jesus through this process? The other thing I would add here is that um, one thing that's, that's, that we know is that food is important, but if, if your job goes away suddenly, food is not the only need that's there. Um, so how can we begin to, especially as we have the food piece of it pretty well supported through, through community partnerships, how can we begin to meet other needs that these families might have? Uh, we've talked about how can we help them get loads of laundry done? Uh, maybe it's car, I don't know, maybe it's car repairs, maybe haircuts when that it becomes a thing again. Um, trying to starting to look at what we might do to help meet other needs that these families have as they're, as they're walking through this process. Yeah, if you guys start doing haircuts, I'm there. I couldn't need one any more than I do you right now. You wouldn't want mine, oh. but... <laughs> well, Jason, in, in closing, man, I just want to say to you, um, number one, that I, on behalf of our community, honor your leadership, man. Um, we're so thankful that, for the way that you've drug us into this and for the, the way that you're really leading the charge for our community as well in serving the hungry, which is such a massive part of what it means to carry the name of Jesus in your inner being. And also just want to say thank you for trusting us. I'm not naive to who we are. You know, we are primarily young, primarily transplant, primarily socioeconomic affluent community. And you have trusted us and invited us into this. Um, so we don't take that lightly, and I just want to say thank you so much for your leadership and for your trust, man. Well, thank you for that, and I would say the same. Thanks for your partnership. It's been really, really exciting to get to know both of you, and it's encouraging to know that you guys have a group of people around you who are all of those things. Not that any of those are bad things. I'm most of those as well. But mm -hmm. uh, a group of people around you who are Jesus followers who love this neighborhood and, and willing to step up when it's necessary. So uh, to everyone who's listening, thank you for your partnership as well. Yeah. And Carlos, we've got this thing we say a lot around our church that we've stolen from uh, Teresa of Avila. Christ has no body now but yours. Go out and be Christ's body to the world. And this is one of the ways um, in the midst of crisis that I've seen our church being the body of Christ out into the world. And so as our fearless leader in this area of our church, we'd love for you just to share a word with us about what that means and how we can continue to live out that benediction as a people, um, however long this thing lasts. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, family. Carlos here. Uh, I just wanted to share a quick word that has been in my heart about you know what does it mean to be the hands and feet of Jesus like what does it mean that Christ has no body now but yours like you and me you know I think a lot about the disciples of Jesus when Jesus started with that talk about like hey I'm I'm leaving but that's a good thing for you and he'd be like what I I can only imagine the confusion and like how conflicted they must have felt it's like, hey man, listen, we've been hanging with you this all three years. Jesus in the flesh, walking the earth with us. Like, nothing can top that. Like, we've seen the miracles. We know who you are. Like, yeah, no, this this is it. And Jesus was like, no man, no, 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 listen, listen carefully. 
I came to proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. And now you go and continue to share this good news, continue to advance the kingdom, tell it to others. But wait, wait for the gift that my father sent you. It's a good thing that I'll leave, so then he will send this gift to you. Remember, because only then the advocate will come, the Holy Spirit. And that is the key of being the hands and feet of Jesus. Like, I want to lovingly remind you, dear family, that as a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, the very dwelling presence of God is within you. The same Spirit that empowered Jesus and raised Him from the dead resides in you. Therefore, go and be the hands and feet of Jesus, fully empowered by His very Holy Spirit. And, and this is so comforting because, at least for me, a lot of times I think that I need something else, I need that other thing to fix this thing, to make this thing right so then I can help this person or maybe do this other thing. It's like I come up with so many excuses in my head, why do I don't take action? Or, or worse, like I'm, sometimes I'm paralyzed that I feel like, oh, you know, this action, wow, it's, it's just so small, so insignificant, like, like, would it even mean anything? And listen, we don't need anything else. Each and every one of you is already equipped to action. Like God has already put in your very hands what he wants you to use. Like there's no need to look any further except if we would only look, right? Learn how to see. And so I guess to me, what helps is when I think of this, it's pray, see, and do, right? Pray because everything has to start with prayer. Like this is our communion with God. This is our moment with, you know, with Jesus. This is the moment that we open ourselves up to God and being familiar with his presence, with his ways, with his voice, with his prompts. Starts with prayer. Starts with just hanging out with Jesus, just like the disciples. So pray, just sit in quietness, just sit still and, you know, learn to hear his voice, learn to know his prompts, know how he feels. And then just go about your day. And then you start to see, like, pay attention to, to the many ways that God is prompting you. Like little nudges, like showing you ways to extend compassion, love, mercy. Maybe through that random email that you just got in today. It's like, oh, wow. Or maybe a thought of reaching out to someone that you haven't, haven't reached out in a long time. It's like, wow, it, it just popped to my head. Like, wow, that's a prompt. Just go, reach out. Um, maybe a, a thought of leaving a little note at the door in your neighbors and you live in a building. And it's like, hey, just to say, feel free to reach out. You're not alone. Something like that. You know, like, or maybe when you were cooking, you know. I bet that all of us are becoming great chefs in this time, right? Um, and you thought, well, maybe, I don't know, on Fridays, I'll just cook a little extra and share with the family next door because, you know, thinking of alleviating their burden, like they have two kids and, you know, all the like, just things like that would just start to prompt you. And, you know, you get the picture. So there's, I know that there's endless, endless ways that God is inviting you into it right now into what he's already doing so i guess my point is like don't miss out just don't miss out and well i guess that covers the do part right pray see and do just
just act on it. Uh, it's it's love expressed in action, uh, in many planned ways. You know, like check the TGC website and find ways that you can be hands-on and serving our neighborhood. You know, with North Brooklyn Angels, with the food pantry, with many of our partners, with delivering groceries. There's many ways, and many more unplanned and spontaneous ways. You know, the small yet incredibly significant moments that move the heavens. You know, those moments where compassion and mercy and solidarity are shown toward the other. So family, even in social distancing, even through gloves and masks, even through a computer or a phone or a Zoom call, even through a podcast, even through a pandemic, there's always going to be ways continue to be Jesus hands and feet so go empowered by the Holy Spirit to be Christ's body in the world I'll leave you with a couple of quick stories and examples shared from people in our community and if you'd like to share yours I'd love to have it featured here like just send it over Carlos at TrinityGraceChurch.com I'd love if you would continue to encourage one another in creative ways to express love in action Thank you. Peace. Last year, Amber and I fostered a little boy for eight months in the end, and he went back to his mum June of last year. And, you know, since then, we've... It's been great. We've been able to stay in touch with his mom and him. We've had him for a few weekends to stay with us. And um, yeah, just been able to stay in touch with her and support her. She's a single mom uh, with five kids. Um, so she's got a lot on her plate. And um, and then when we find found out that she was going to be giving birth to her sixth kid um, in April, right in the middle of uh, coronavirus, and we kind of knew already that she didn't have much support kind of for her family and for what's you know just for her her situation as a single mom we um offered that 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 myself and a good friend of ours Yemisi would go and look after her five kids while she was in hospital giving birth so that's what happened right after easter we got the call uh amber stayed home with our three kids and i met Yemisi out in staten island and we spent a couple of days uh with five kids in an apartment in Staten Island and um, actually it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun doing it with a friend and um, bonding with those kids Um, obviously the little guy I knew really well he was with us for eight months and his siblings we got to know a lot better Um, but yeah it, 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 it was an amazing opportunity basically to to know someone who had a real need, particularly in, in this time of the lockdown and to be able to help. And I'm also just so grateful for our church community. You know, we set up a um, baby registry on Amazon for, for her new baby. And so many of you guys uh, contributed to that uh, registry. And mom was just so grateful for that. She really feels supported by our church. She knows that it's church people who've bought things for her. Um, and just to say as well, if there's anyone who feels like they want to help her family and her going forward, she, she'd love that. We'd love that. Reach out to me or Amber. Um, anything from like, you know, buying a takeout to, to be sent to her house for her kids, 
um, to, I don't know, giving her a gift card for Walmart or something. There's a bunch of ways you could help this single mom of six kids who definitely um, is doing an amazing job at mothering her kids, but just needs some help, basically, and needs a bit of support. So, um, yeah, let me and Amber know if you want to help in any way. And I know everything we've been doing with fostering and these things that we just felt so supported by the Trinity Grace family. So we appreciate that support a lot. These last few weeks, my husband and I have been in possession of a car. Uh, We're car sitting right now. So it's been really great to go grocery shopping uh, only once a month, about, maybe twice. And when we go, um, I like to text my neighbors and just say, hey, is there anything I can get for you? Um, Don't hold back, because we have a car, Um, (laughs) which, It just feels like a big blessing that I could do that for somebody, even if they're not um, in the at-risk population. You know, they're also just somebody like me, maybe who's healthy um, and could just use a little bit of help. Um, Yeah, so we did that for our neighbor and... Uh, left his groceries outside his door and he was really 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 happy and it was so simple and it made me feel really good in all this social distancing i have been challenged to know how to love it almost feels wrong that one of the most loving things i can do is stay away and keep my distance from others and all this loss of connection and all this need for distancing My friends and I have been asking who is suffering the most and what are safe ways to love them. These thoughts and questions have been processed with my closest friends and community group. And one of my friends, Katie, who used to be a leader in our community, moved last year to complete a master's program alongside incarcerated men inside Stateville Correctional Center in Illinois. When states began sheltering in place, she shared about the reality of what that looked like for her incarcerated friends who were now put on total lockdown. And although many of us have been sheltering in place and in a type of lockdown ourselves, their reality and implications of this are nowhere near comparison. Lockdown for them means no visits from family, heavily restricted video and phone calls, and sitting in their cells for 24 hours a day. All the precautions we have the privilege to choose and follow are impossible in prison. There's little to no access to soap and cleaning supplies, and social distancing is impossible with cellmates in a six by 10 prison cell. On top of that, hundreds of vendors and staff come in and out of prison every day without the proper PPE. They literally have no way to stay safe, and yet many of the small comforts that they might have in prison have been stripped away from them. Katie asked her friends to write letters and many people in our community group jumped at the opportunity. Opportunity for us to flood some of the most vulnerable among us with encouragement, to remind them that they are not forgotten, that they are loved, that they're being prayed over and thought of. But the beautiful thing about it has been, this has opened up opportunities for new relationships, a mutual humanizing, and a connection to people who have been marginalized, people I, may have never thought to prioritize connection with. And as is with so much of acts of compassion and love, as I have reached out, I have been reminded of my humanity, of my need for connection. I have been blessed with being reminded of Christ's love to me through my neighbor. 
even if, if not more so, connecting through our suffering, our pain. God has been teaching me and reframing my ideas of service and loving the least of these. One person in our community has actually received a letter back, and the joy that she had in receiving a response was so beautiful that all of us celebrated and were eager to know what the response was. And this, this feels like kingdom coming to earth. Amidst our pain, amidst this chaos, amidst the fear and the distance and the suffering, here is shared joy in connection and shared humanity. Hi, it's Meg, and here's what else you need to know this week. Last week, our podcast was all about core groups, which are places to practice discipleship with Jesus in small groups of three to four people. For more information about core groups, visit tgcwilliamsburg.com backslash core groups, where you can listen to that podcast, watch a video starring Gemma and Meg Hashi, and find the PDF of the core group curriculum. On May 17th, directly after the gathering, we'll be having a basics class over Zoom. Basics is a brief introduction to the community of Trinity Grace Church Williamsburg. Held quarterly, this is an important step for any visitor considering making TGC Williamsburg their church home, or for any regular attender who has never been. Led by our staff, you can ask questions and find ways to get involved in the life of the church. Please RSVP by going to tgcwilliamsburg.com backslash basics. I also want to remind you about our crisis care team. I share this every time in each podcast, but as the NYC pause extends until May 15th, how you have been impacted because of the current pandemic may have changed, and we as your church family want to help and support you. Maybe you're ill, in need of groceries, or financial help due to loss of work. We currently have $35,000 in our crisis care fund that we want to give away to people within our community who are in need of financial help, which may include money for rent, bills, groceries, or therapy sessions. If you need care, please take a moment to fill out the short form on our website. Maybe you're struggling emotionally and would love for someone to pray with you. Our prayer team would love to speak with you over the phone or over Zoom. The crisis care team is available around your schedule, so please fill out the form for prayer so we can connect you. If you need crisis care financial assistance or prayer, please visit tdcwilliamsburg.com backslash health.